this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. That was a good shout. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children are really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a, for, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already had something, we don't need to hope for it, but we look forward to something we don't yet have. We must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And God knew, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many, any, many believers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having the, given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, good morning. morning. It's good to be here. I tell you what, uh, I've got a tough act to follow. Ray did an amazing job in first service. If you were here in first service, you know I'm telling the truth. Um, And it's it's a privilege and an honor to be able to share. Uh, Pastor Mark giving us the opportunity to share what's on our hearts. Um, Are you guys enjoying this Who Am I series? Pastor Mark, he is such a great uh, communicator, teacher, father of the house, and uh, and uh, they send their love today as, as him and Miss Robin are just taking some time to enjoy a day off, you know, that's, that's good, and uh, you know, it's a Sabbath day, right? We're supposed to take the day off, and yes. pastors sometimes don't do that, and I'm glad that he is taking that opportunity, and I've really been enjoying this Who Am I series, uh, because really the, the thing that I believe that believers have a hard time sometimes seeing is who they are in Christ. It's, it's, sometimes it's easy for us to know who he is, but we don't know who we are. 
He wants us to know who we are just as much as he wants us to know who he is. Because we are nothing without him. Without Christ, we are nothing. And that's, that's what I want to speak on today is being that masterpiece. Being that masterpiece. You know, Pastor Mark has painted a good picture of what the masterpiece looks like. And, and uh, just to go ahead and, and, and start, uh, this, this is our main scripture, or main thought that uh, he's been giving us. Go back one, I believe, Ryan. Should be one more. You can click that background off. You can tell I'm in the sound booth all the time, right? I kind of know what's going on, right? So the main thought we've had through this whole series is what does it mean for my humanity to be in Christ? What does it mean for us to be in Christ? It's easy for us to know who Christ is, but what is it, what is it to be in Christ as a believer, as brothers and sisters, as, as sons and daughters in Christ? What does that really mean? And we've looked at this. This is something that I pulled out of this over the last couple of weeks is God is at work in our lives so that we can become more and more like Jesus, accomplishing his will in us and through us. When we are in Christ, we should be coming more like Christ because if we're becoming more like him, then we start to fade. What is it that John said? John said, I must decrease so that he might increase. Why? Because when we are in Christ, we become more like him. We belong, we believe, and we become the children of God that he wants us to be. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. masterpiece. Sorry, I was a teacher. I like interaction back and forth. So, so. Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So a masterpiece, we are his design, we are his thoughts, we are everything that we are is what God thought up before, but he wants us to become something so that we can do good things that he planned before. God has a plan for all of our lives. You, you, if you've been around church, you've heard that. God has a plan for your life. And, and sometimes this is the biggest problem that people have. They, they say, What's God's will for my life? What's God's plan for my life? If you want to settle that, that right there in your life, it's this. To do good things that he planned for you long ago. That's God's will for your life. Now, how that plays out as your giftings, your talents, your, your strengths, that's different. This is you were made. You, everybody in this room, you were made to do good things that he planned beforehand. That's his plan. That's the master. That's his uh, masterpiece that he is painting. So, so I really want to take that term masterpiece and pull it out today for us to look at. So what's a masterpiece? Here's the, here's the definition that I, I, I got. A masterpiece is considered the greatest work of a person's career or a work of outstanding creativity. It's a skill or a workmanship. So it's basically someone's greatest accomplishment. 
Think about that. We are his workmanship. We are the master's masterpiece. You are his greatest creation. Think about that. He put his spirit in you. Why? To accomplish good things. Why? Because we are his masterpiece. We are on display. We are on display for the enemy to see. And he doesn't like it. See, he once was his masterpiece, part of it. And he rejected it, went his own way. I'll be like the most high. Why? Because he wanted to put his painting on it, his little spin. But as a masterpiece, we are God's greatest creation. That's not arrogant to say. He, he said that. See, in the earth, we, we, have, we, have, we have no problem seeing artists' masterpiece. There's one, there's, there's a couple artists we're going to look at. First one is, is Vincent Van Gogh. You guys know who Vincent Van Gogh is, right? All right? Vincent Van Gogh. He is, he is considered one of the greatest artists in worldly standards. His paintings are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Look at this, this one here. This is Starry Night. This is his most popular one. You've, have you seen this before? Well, uh, probably uh, six, seven years ago, Valerie and I were in New York, and I think this is still in a museum in New York. I think it's the High Museum of Art. It's a painting. It's a picture. But think about this. It's a picture that some guy saw in his eyes, saw in his mind, and he painted, and people, this, you know how much this was worth? $100 million. $100 million. Listen, when they, when they built the Georgia Dome back in the day, you know how much it was worth? $200 million. This flipping painting was is $100 million. Why? Because somebody put value on it. Somebody said that this artist, this master, this painting is worth $100 million. You want to know something about Vincent Van Gogh? He died at 37 years old of a gunshot wound to his heart. He was a schizophrenic. He was colorblind. Colorblind. He was, he was in an asylum. He cut his ear off and gave it, tried to give it to a girl and say, would you like me, please? Here's my ear. Not my heart, here's my ear. I mean, this guy was crazy. But you, you know the sad part about this guy? He was, in, he was a pastor. Go look it up. He was in the ministry. And he didn't want to continue in the ministry because they wanted him to learn Latin. He said, I don't want to learn a dead language. He left. And then they kicked him out. And then the rest of his life is sad. He did not know his worth on this earth. He was not worth millions of dollars while he was on the earth. He was worth that while he was dead. Didn't even know his worth. Crazy. The next artist, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. You guys know who Michelangelo is, right? Right? He should. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not in the first. Michelangelo. Michelangelo is famous for this painting. Well, actually, this is a mural. This is at the Sistine Chapel. This is the Mecca of the Catholic Church. Okay? This guy stood for four years like this. 
painting on the top of a ceiling this chapel. Crazy the things that people can do. An artist, the master, the, he, he was the master of this. I could not imagine. I can't even do a stick figure. It goes all weird. But this guy, he, he painted so much. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. Just to give you some context, he did, this is called the fresco paintings. Fresco paintings. And he did uh, the story of, of creation. You guys know the whole, you know, there's a finger coming this way and then a finger touching, you know. That's Michelangelo. That's him saying God was touching earth and his creation. Great. That's great to envision. This artist, it's on the ceiling. He didn't go to Home Depot and roll it out on a roller. He spent time. This was his masterpiece. Everything in the Catholic Church that is important goes on in this place. When a pope is, is, rein, is, is instated, like if they lose a, like one dies and they are reinstating one or put one in a, in a place, they're going to meet here. All the cardinals get together. It's a super important place. And it's an example of a masterpiece. It's Michelangelo's greatest work. It's him being creative. Our text today is about the imagination and the creativity and the creative activity of our God, who is the greatest master and masterpiece artist of all time. He made you, he made me, and he did it with our lives in mind. He, he, he saw it, just like these artists, all saw these pieces of art in their mind and in their heart before they ever put it on a canvas. Our Father, Father God, saw you and me on that canvas as all his work of art, his greatest work of art, and he wants you to know how important and how amazing and how in need he is of having you in his life. Amen. So we, we always say we want God in our life, but you got to realize he wants you in his life. So the master plan unfolds in front of us because of the master having it in his mind. So I asked the question earlier, or we, or we say the statement, what's God's will for us? What's his will? So let's look at Romans 8.28. This was our, part of our scripture reading earlier. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We use this sometimes when something bad happens. We'll say, oh, something good's going to happen. And maybe it will if you're a child of God. This is, it says, we know. Who are the we? It's the children of God. The children of God are the ones that have everything work together for their good. So I'm speaking to believers today. We need to know we're his children. This is one of the most well-known and quoted scriptures in all of the Bible. It's a text that we hold dear to our hearts. We, we hold dear to our hearts. And we believe and we are convinced that the truth of God's, of God's involvement is in our lives. Do you believe God's working in your life? Yes. A lot of times that's our hardest thing is to know that God is working in my life. We see just the bad thing that happens. And we're like, is God working? 
is, is he really working? And we'll doubt. And the enemy comes in or, or other people come in and, and they, they just start doing this, kind of like Job's friends. But we believe God is nearby in our lives. We're convinced, which means we have some convictions. We have some convictions that we have. Here, here's a, a first conviction. Number one, God is at work in our life. God is at work. Do you believe God's working? You wouldn't be here if you didn't think God was, work, was at work. He, he is working in your life. He's working in your family. We, we doubt it sometimes, but he's working. He's working when you can't see it. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. That, I mean, that's not just a song. It's reality. He is at work. He's at work. God, in his creative Imagine in, 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 in his thought process, everything he is inside of his mind. He's thinking about, how can I interact with you? He's at work. You, you see the problem. I see the problem, but he sees the solution. He sees it all at work. It's fall right now. How many of you guys are having to battle the leaves? Every time I look out in my pool, I'm like, good Lord, there's leaves everywhere. Back in, the, back in the day, we used to, I mean, before we got really extremely lazy, we used to rake up leaves, right? Anybody here still rake up leaves? No. You're probably older. <laughs> exactly. Why do we not rake up leaves? Because we've got leaf blowers. Or you have children. <laughs> but it used to be we'd rake up leaves and put them in a bag. And now, no, we use leaf blower. I want you to picture this. Picture a four-year-old with a blower. What's going to happen? And all those of four years like, oh, Lord, what? I've seen them. I've seen them with a Tonka truck. What do they do? Like, do, do you really think a four-year-old could, could just blow those leaves in an orderly fashion and get them to where? No. What are they going to do? It's generally just going to be to make a straight path where they want to walk, right? So it's, there's this back and forth. Sometimes people see God as working in their life back and forth, like a, like a blower. God's not a four-year-old blowing leaves to and fro, back and forth. He's he's ordering those things. He's bringing those leaves together. Why? So that, so that he can work in your life towards your end result, that canvas. He's always got that canvas painting in mind. He's working. He's not just going to selectively work. He wants to accomplish something in our lives. God is at work. Amen? God is at work. So, we believe that. Number two, God is at work in all things. He's not just at work. He's at work in all things. All things. Everybody say all. all. See, the word all is all. There's no like, you can't, you can't give it another definition. It's not, well, little, this little bit. He's not. No, he's in all. It's a, it's a word that encompasses it all. In Romans 8.28, there's references, though, that look at sufferings and hardships, pain that happens 
in our lives. We don't want to think that that's uh, part of the process, but sometimes hardships come, amen? amen. You got to press through it. And that's in Romans 8, 28. It actually is from that point of view of weaknesses, knowing, knowing you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to help in our weaknesses because he knows what we have need of even before we ask it. He's at work in all things. So when you feel weak, that's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to become strong. When you feel like you can't make it happen, that's the opportunity that God wants to make it happen for you. He's working in all things, all things, the, the, the good and the bad. One translation says it's God intermingles all things. So when we intermingle, what it means is he mixes, he mixes the good and the bad that's going on in our life for our good. Did you catch that? He mixes and intermingles good. That, listen, bad is going to happen in our lives. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, right? It, it's going to happen. Now, we don't live in a, we don't live in a, a fatalist mentality. And it's like, well, it's all bad. No, that's not what God wants. But he knows that there's going to be good and bad that happen in our life. And he wants it to work together for his purpose. We have to shift our mindset. To be in Christ, we have to see that things that happen good and bad are working for my good. We don't pray for bad to happen. I don't want, I don't want bad things to happen. That's not, that's not what it's saying. It's saying when it does, it's working together for your good. Think of it like this. They say if you saw sausage being made, you'd never eat it again. Okay? Now, this isn't sausage. That right there is, is rag bologna. Huh. Anybody here ever eaten rag bologna? Anybody know what rag bologna is? Well, if you were West, from western Tennessee, you would know what. Phil, western Tennessee, Tennessee. You're not from Tennessee, though, are you? He just likes Tennessee. Rag bologna. Let me give you a little, let me tell you what it is so that you'll never eat it. Rag bologna is a long stick of high fat wrapped in a cloth rag. It is higher in fiber than regular bologna. Higher in fiber. So, hey, you might need it sometime. Higher in fiber. With milk, solids, flour, cereal, cereal, <laughs> cereal and meat, and spices. And it's all added during this process. It's intermingled together. This stick of bologna is then bathed, bathed in lactic acid. Anybody here just like turn up lactic acid? No. That's never anything everybody's going to say. It's gross, but it's... People eat it. I don't know why. So that's rag bologna. Now look at this next one. This is boar's head bologna. Anybody here eat boar's head bologna? 
Yeah, you want to know why? Because it's better than rag baloney. It's not phony baloney. It's, that's my one dad joke. My kids only give me one dad joke. Okay? That's my one dad joke. So if I get another one, I, I, like Pastor Mark has to pay for his kids when he says their names at lunch, I might have to pay them if I say one more dad joke. Boar's head, though, it's actually made from select cu cuts of pork and beef, and it's pure. It's pure meat. It's blended with spices. It doesn't contain any byproducts. And for those that care, I don't know, where is it? it's not on this one, but I looked it up uh, yesterday. It's gluten-free, <laughs> if you care. So, Heather, you can eat it. All right? But what this shows us, though, is a way of mixing things together, working in our lives for good. This is mixed together, and some people will take the rag bologna, I don't know why, and they will put it on their sandwich and they'll eat it. Some people will eat this. But you get the point. The point is, Good and bad intermingling together is working for your good if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, he's working for your good. That's why we can look back at a tragic loss. Someone dies in your life. We can look at a heartbreaking experience. We can look at, you know, something that happened in your life that was difficult. You can look at it and see God intermingling himself in that situation to work for your good. God is working. He's taking life's experiences that you have and working them for your good. Hey, this is, God is working in all of our lives. Whether you know it or whether you don't. So, God is at work. He's at work in all things. And third, God is at work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God is working in your life. See, the believer believes that God is at work in all things. That's why we can trust him when something happens that we didn't see coming our way. We generally will thank God, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you've ever experienced losing a job, some people will thank God and say, okay, another one's coming, right? We, we want to we have that kind of feeling in our life. Sometimes a relationship goes in a direction that you didn't think it was going to go. Maybe, maybe you got a divorce and you didn't know you didn't see there was a, 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 a relationship that went sour. God's working in all things. Thinking circumstantially and materially is certainly one way God works in our lives. For example, uh, a few years ago, I was let go from a job. I, I've only been fired from one job in my entire life. I was let go from a job. And... I didn't expect it. I didn't see it coming. And for a long time, it messed with my mind. It messed with what, because I was, 
What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? Why did, why did this happen? Why that? Not that I was questioning God, but I was questioning, really I was questioning me. And I was questioning man. What did I do? What did they do? You ever had that happen? Yeah. What did I do? What did they do? What could have been done differently? And you just start questioning over and over. And I was, I was literally didn't know how to handle it. And Pastor Mark, in his great wisdom that he, I'm sure, has given to a lot of you in this room, he looked at me and he said, you know what? God fired you. What? God fired you. He said, God fired you because he wanted you to do something different. He wanted you to be somewhere different. And had he not fired you, see, a lot of people would have a hard time with that, with that, that phrase, God fired you. He fired me because he didn't want me there. He wanted me here. We are infatuated with what's over here, but God really wants us over here. That's hard in our minds, but that's called trust. God wanted you to be something and to do something else. And this, is, this was the last phrase he said to me. You just couldn't see it when you're in it. How many times has something negative happened in our life and we blame God, we blame a person, we blame ourselves, we put ourselves down, we put someone else down, and all the while God's taking you from a bad situation into a better situation. Why? Because he's working all things together for your good because he knows the end better than you know the beginning. Think about that. We focus on the beginning. He's focusing on the finished product. That's our God. God intermingled my, my circumstance. He intermingled his spirit with what was going on with that job and brought me to a better place. And I love the job that I have now. I love where I'm at. But God was not just giving me a better job. He was making me a better person. That's what I want to say. Remember, it's not about the circumstance. It's about what God's making you as a person. He's looking at you and saying, I want you, son, daughter, I want you to be conformed to the image of my son. And the way that's going to happen is sometimes bad things are going to happen to you. But I want you to focus on me. Don't focus on the circumstance. Don't focus on the problem or the issue. Focus on me. Because if you focus on me, then you understand the whole piece of the pie. That's what he's saying. He's intermingling it together. He did it in my life. And I'm so thankful. I was so thankful that Pastor Mark looked at me and said, God fired you. I didn't understand it fully when he said it. But I knew there was some wisdom in it. And God completely worked in my heart. And it changed my life. It changed my view. Because I, I didn't look at it as a problem. I looked at it as God's solution. You see that? We look at the problem. We don't see his solution. He's intermingling things that in your life that you might not understand at the moment. But he's got your end in mind. His gracious activity in our lives 
in and through the hard things of life form us spiritually. Form us. I love talking to older believers in the faith because they, they tell you what God has done. They don't focus on the problem. My, my grandfather, he passed away a few years back, and I remember as a kid, like, when I would go spend the night over there, I'd sleep on the couch. At 5 o'clock every single morning, that man was drinking coffee and reading his scriptures. And he would start praying in the Spirit. And as a kid, I remember him just, just sitting there and he'd be, whoa, 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 whoa. He'd just go. And I mean, it was, it was one of those things as a kid. I'm like, what is he doing in there? But as I got older, I realized, I realized what he was doing. He was giving himself to what was going to happen in that day. And he knew that if a problem rose, he was prepared for what the end was. And that was that he saw himself in the image of Christ. He was hiding in Christ. He was hiding in Christ. He, had, he, knew, he knew that he was a better person hiding in Christ. In the commentary of Romans, uh, William Barclay says this, If a person loves God and trusts God and accepts God, if a person feels and knows and is convinced that God is the all-wise and all-loving Father, then that person can humbly accept all that God sends to them. Wow. What if we accepted everything that God sent our way? Now, granted, bad things do happen, and I'm not saying God is sending them our way. But I'm saying, change your perspective. How can that make me more like Christ? People that are in Christ see it that way. So in verse 29 of Romans 8:29, we affirm what we believe is true that God is working in our lives. He knew it. He knows his people. The Bible says he knew us in advance. He knew us before he knew you before you were born. He knew it. He is all-knowing. He's a loving father. He foreknew us all. He predestined for you to be born. He predestined for you to be, be born in this time, at this hour. God has something for your life. So he foreknew. God foreknew that we were going to be born. He knew that what was going to happen was going to happen. Back when our kids were, when Valerie was pregnant, I know with Shiloh, when Valerie was pregnant with Shiloh, we, we you know, you go and get the ultrasound, right? All right? And nowadays it's cheating, all right? Because we had the 2D ones. Put this up. Look, this is, this is the comparison of an ultrasound from when we saw it. Look, that's cheating. We had to go, maybe it's a boy, maybe. Uh, that right there, they can tell like if there's not hair on their nose. That's a, think of it like this. We are so enamored with finding out what the sex of a baby is. We want to foreknow what they're going to look like before they're born. God sees us even better than this. He knew you, he foreknew you before ever breathing one breath. 
We get so excited, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, with finding out if it's going to be a boy or a girl so we can paint our you know, nursery whatever color. Back in the day, it was you paint it green so that it's like not. Maybe if you didn't know, like if you didn't get a good view, is it a boy or a girl? Sonograms are great, but God is better than any ultrasound. He foreknew us. He saw us. He predestined us. But listen, he predestined you, foreknew you to become the image of Jesus, to do good things, to do great things. Why do we say around here, own your 50 feet? Why? It's because we want you to, to know there's a purpose and a plan for you in your 50 feet, where you are. There's a purpose. Think of it like this. I'm going to show you this puzzle. Starry Night's a great, great picture, right? The artist saw it before but if we took this puzzle and we tried to put it together and there's all the little pieces out there, you can only see one little piece at a time, right? We view life one piece at a time sometimes. And we forget that this is what God sees. He sees the end. He sees the puzzle being put together. So why do we not get doubt in our lives? Because we know the end. Why should we not Fear. Why should we not be afraid? Why should we not cower back when something bad happens? Because we should see the end result. Why? Because the artist already told us what we look like in him. God predestined it. He predestined us to become like Jesus. What's God's will for your life? To become like Jesus. Amen? He wants you to become like Jesus. So when we doubt, when we have fear, all we got to do is turn to who he's called us to be, and that's like Christ. God not only saw what we would be, he decided what you could be. Think of it. He not only saw what would be, he saw what you could be. He decided that you, me, Brothers and sisters would be the children of God. Amen? The children of God. We would be the children of God. We were in his mind before we were ever in our mom and dad's minds. We were on his heart. He was thinking of us. I want to end, I want to end with this. Chrysler, which auto dealers, uh, makers, they have this all over, but I'm going to focus on a Chrysler today. They have concept cars. Anybody in here like concept cars? All right, concept cars. Concept cars are basically cars that are never going to be in production. They may or may not. And Chrysler came up with this one. This is a, this is a Kronos. Anybody ever seen this car? It's a Kronos. It had 21-inch wheels. It was powered by a V10. And it had the promise and power and performance that anyone could wish for. Now, any Dodge fans in here? Like Dodges, Chrysler? 
Yeah. See, they don't want to raise their hands. <laughs> One. I see that hand. All right. So this is a concept. But you know what they do with concept cars? They put them in a museum. They put them in a museum so that people can look at them and like them, but they're never in production. Think about it. Think about Van Gogh. Where's his paintings? In a museum. For people to just look at. People to just look and go, wow, look at that $100 million painting. Look at this car. We'll put this concept on a shelf and never be productive. I want to end with this. If you feel like you are just a concept in the mind of God, but you're never going to be used by him, it's a lie. God is not wanting to put you in a museum on a shelf to not be used, to, to not do good things. Think about this scripture again. We're going to put this back up, and the band can come on up. This scripture, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. We are his concept. We are his idea. We are his thought. We are his why? So that we can do good things that he planned a long time ago. You are not a concept in a museum. You are a thought. You are a thought realized in the mind of creator God. Amen? Amen. So I don't know in this building who this is for. But I, I, as I was praying about this message and praying about, because I never want to just speak. I never want to just share. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to tell somebody today that you're not just a concept. You're not just an idea. You're not just, you're not just on this earth or on this planet to take up space. You're not in a museum where people are just going to pass by and go, oh, that's Oh, that's great. No, you were in the mind of Father God before you could even breathe a breath. You were in his mind, and he wants to use you. I don't know what your mom has told you. I don't know what your dad has said to you. I don't know what some boss has told you. I don't know what some husband told you, some friend told you. I don't know what they said that, that said, you're nothing. You'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. I don't know what's been said over you. But I know when I was praying that somebody, God wants to say to you today, you're his. You are his. You belong to the most high God. You have value. You've always had value. You just didn't know it. You are a masterpiece in the master's hands. And if you could see yourself the way he sees you today, your life would be changed forever. Let me say that again. If you can see yourself through the eyes of the master, 
the artist, you will see you were created for good things that he planned long ago. Bow your heads. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.